to tell you, I think that is my favorite intro video that we have ever done at Next Level Church. It's just unbelievable. Anthony and Jenny are just incredible. Wow, like that was, I just, <laughs> you see the cup, and we've all been behind that, I mean, not like that guy, but like a guy like that, or a girl like that, right? Like, isn't that, like, I love it, he's like, I love my favorite line, because I don't want to get overwhelmed. <laughs> oh, bro, you're overwhelmed. <laughs> love it. Anyway, hey, what's up? My name is Matt Keller. I am the lead pastor here at Next Level Church. Welcome, everybody, and it's great to be back. Uh, my wife and, and family and I uh, had just a great couple of weeks up in the Midwest, um, of course, on Memorial Day, we have the Indy 500, which is a family tradition. 27 years in a row, our family has uh, gone to the Indy 500, and so it was great to take my two boys this year and uh, just to have them experience that just with our whole family. It was just, it was such a great time, and then uh, ended up in Michigan with some family and, and so forth and friends. So just, uh, all right, uh, to the ganders, what up? Um, <laughs> So it was great, but it's great to go away. It's great to be back. And I just am so thankful for uh, our incredible team that God has given us here at Next Level Church that just makes this thing happen. Pastor Josh Holman, who came out a few minutes ago with communion and, uh, you know, just him speaking on Memorial Day. Pastor Kyle last weekend, getting our Slapline series kicked off. And then, of course, Pastor Mike Ash, who's our executive pastor, kind of chief of staff guy, who runs the place. And just so honored to get to do life with these guys and just to, to have such an incredible team. But this is our Slapline series. Uh, and this is part two. And so we are talking in this series to men, and we're aiming this series at men, but of course everything we're talking about is out of the Bible, so it applies whether you're male or female, whether you're young, old, teenagers, kids, grown-ups, whatever the case may be. Of course, all of the principles apply, but we wanted to focus in over these few weeks of this Slapline series, talking to men. And as you've heard us say, uh, as we introduced the series last weekend, that every one of us have areas in our life that we would consider to be slap lines. There are lines that we draw in the sand that we say, you know, if I ever do that, or if I ever wear that, or if I ever cross that. I know, like, for me, Mike, uh, Pastor Mike and I have been just great friends for uh, over 11 years now. And, uh, of course, you guys, many of you know Pastor Mike. He's a really big dude, very strong. Uh, and so uh, when it comes to, to me, Mike doesn't put a lot of filters on me. Um, but one of the areas, and you guys know this to be true, because I, I'm a, actually, I, I, I know I'm a pretty fashionable guy, uh, and you guys have probably picked up on that, and, uh, and so, you know, when it comes to fashion, like, Mike doesn't put a lot of restrictions on me, but one of the things, you know, as fashion trends have kind of morphed and changed over the last decade or so, you know, one of the things that Mike has been very clear with me about, that, and has, has drawn a slap line in my life uh, about in terms of fashion, which again, I'm very fashionable. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know. So one of those things though that Mike has said, bro, if you ever, I will type a deal, uh, is skinny jeans. <laughs> I think his exact words were, if you ever on our stage or any stage, slap line. So that slap line, right? We all have that. Okay, if I ever wear something like that, slap me, right? If I ever do something like that, slap me. If I ever treat employees like that person treats our coworkers, slap me. Every one of us have slap lines in our life. And so the weeks of this series, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about it to men. Well, this weekend, in part two, we're going to look at a time in the Bible where Jesus drew some slap lines for some groups of people spiritually. 
that there were, there were some groups of people, three in particular, that we're going to talk about this weekend, who had crossed some slap lines. And so Jesus had to draw those slap lines. And it's interesting because as you study this particular passage of Scripture, the way Jesus handles it actually has the ability to make some of us, and maybe has before, uh, if we're familiar with the story, make us feel uncomfortable. But nonetheless, Jesus was very strong, very particular about drawing some spiritual slap lines in our life. And so that's what we're talking about. So if you have your Bible or if you have a, a, a mobile device with a Bible app on it, I would love for you to turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 is where we're going to be looking at three groups of people that Jesus drew some spiritual slap lines for this weekend. Now, if you don't have your Bible or a smartphone with a Bible, that's fine. The verses will be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there completely, totally fine uh, with that in just a second. Let me, while you're turning there though, let me uh, kind of set the stage. So Jesus is on earth doing his earthly ministry and, and he's coming almost to the conclusion of it. And so he's been ministering to people for three years all throughout the region uh, up there around Jerusalem and so forth. And so uh, just doing miracles and teaching and just he, he is at, where we pick up the story in Mark 11, Jesus is at the height of his influence, the height of his fame. And so what was going on in the region of the world was the Jewish people were being oppressed big time by the Roman Empire. And so the Roman government was just oppressing them and just coming down hard on them. And so the, the Jewish people, which were the children of God, the people of God in those days, were, were, they, were, they were calling out to God saying, God, when are you going to send a deliverer? When are you going to deliver us from this? When are you going to help us? When are you going to send a Messiah to deliver us, to save us from this, this oppressive hand of the Roman government? And so many, as Jesus' fame began to rise, many people started to believe that Jesus was that Messiah. And so in Mark chapter 11, we find the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. And as he enters, some of us who've been around Bible study for a while remember this or know this story is the triumphal entry. This is about a week before Easter, before Jesus was crucified and, you know, buried in the tomb, resurrected, that whole deal. So this is like the week before. And so Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And as he's coming in, his fame, his popularity, uh, his influence reaches a fever pitch. And so as he's riding into Jerusalem, the holy city, on this donkey, people are literally throwing palm branches in front of the donkey he's riding on and waving palm branches and declaring, you know, Hosanna and praise you. And we believe you're the Messiah. You're the deliverer. You're the chosen one. And so the people are just, they're just cheering on the praises of Jesus. It's at an all-time high. And what's interesting is when Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem that day, he's going to become their king. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to deliver them. But not in the way that they think. He was going to do it in a completely different way and manner and into a completely different magnitude. And what is interesting and what I want to draw our attention to this weekend is when Jesus enters the city, he doesn't immediately go with all of these raving fans around him, so to speak. He doesn't go to a pep rally. He doesn't do any interviews. He doesn't attend some political event. When Jesus enters Jerusalem that day on the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, he goes to church. Jesus goes to the temple, their form of church. And when Jesus gets to the temple, to church, what he finds there absolutely positively breaks his heart. Mark chapter 11 is where we pick up the, the story 
Starting in verse 15, look what it says. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts. He went to church. Jesus' heart has been, is, and always will be in the local church. The local church of Jesus Christ on the earth today is God's plan A. This is what God is doing. And all the way back here, Jesus is modeling that, that at the height of his influence, the place he wanted to go was the temple, was to church. And so when Jesus gets to church, all of a sudden he starts looking around at all of these church attenders, these churchgoers, and what he sees utterly breaks his heart. And so he decides to draw a few, three in particular, slap lines for three groups of people. And if you have your bulletin this weekend in any of our services, I would love for you to fold that all the way out. And on the inside left flap there, you'll find some fill in the blanks because I want to give us three groups of people that Jesus draws a spiritual slap line for. When Jesus went to church, here's what he discovered. The first slap line that Jesus drew for a group of people were for the disengaged. The disengaged. When Jesus entered the temple, the church that day, he sees all of these religious people who were there, but weren't really there. That they were in church. They were in a place where God could change their life, and yet, Instead of allowing God in that church to change their life, instead they were trying to change the church. When Jesus went into the church that day, he saw people who were going through the motions, but not allowing God in a setting like this to truly affect their life. I know for many of us, we remember a season of our life where We attended church because it was the right thing to do, or we attended church because our parents made us attend church, and so we'd get dressed up every Sunday or whatever, and we would, you know, put on our Sunday best, and we'd go to church, and we'd go there, and they'd read from the Bible, but we'd look around our church, and it didn't mean anything. It was, it it didn't, it didn't impact our life. It didn't affect our life. I know some of us can probably, many of us perhaps, come, were raised in a situation like that where we're like, well, I know God's dead because when I go to church, it's dead there. Like, that's, that was our church experience. And what can happen is that can cause us to become disengaged. And here's my challenge to us this weekend. I believe it's possible, even in a church like ours, for some of us to come in here and simply be going through the motions. For some of us to come in here and be completely disengaged. That we have a worship team up here who is leading us into the presence of God. Think of this. The Bible tells us that where two or more are gathered in his name, he is there in the midst of us. And yet week in and week out, so many of us, I dare say, Come in, and God is here wanting to change our life, wanting to do a deep work in us, and we're doing this. Come on. Come on, men. We said we were going to talk to us in this series. Well, let me talk to us for a second. Come on. Where are, we go- where are we going through the motions? Are we coming into a place like this, an atmosphere, an environment like this, that where God is present And yet we're not allowing him to change our life at all. We're not allowing him to impact us at all. We're just here so to appease her. 
We're just here to check it a box off of our list. We're just here so we can get on to lunch or get on to dinner. Are we disengaged or are we engaged in an environment like this? Come on. Jesus walked into the church that day and he looked around and he saw people who were just going through the motions, but their hearts were far from him. They were completely disengaged. Men, what if this is exactly the environment that God wants to use to make us a better dad, to make us a better husband, to make us a better employer or employee? What if this is exactly the environment, men? But you know what God's waiting on? Us. He's waiting on us to lean in. He's waiting on us to say, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here and fill in blanks. I'm not just going to sit here and check my phone. I'm going to engage. Why? Because God is here. Jesus walked in and he said, slap line. All you who are disengaged, come on. (laughs) Wish I had some boxing. Wait, no. No. No, I don't. No, I don't. He goes on, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out. Slap line. Those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Okay, what's going on here? Jesus comes into the church that day and he looks around the outer courts of the church. And there are all of these people who were, who were setting up all these tables and they were selling and changing money and they were selling doves and other animals. What's going on? Well, in those days, see, before Jesus died on the cross, it was necessary for God's people to offer sacrifices for their sins. But once Jesus came, that's what we were talking about during worship with communion, that once Jesus came and died on the cross and shed his blood for us, we no longer have to offer sacrifices. He was and is the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. But before that, when the people of God would come to the temple, to church, to worship, they would have to offer sacrifices. And so they'd get there, and they'd be like, oh, man, I don't have the right currency. And so they'd have to find someone and change money. Or then, then they'd have to go, and they'd buy a dove, or they'd buy another animal, so that they could take it and sacrifice it to the Lord. Well, all of a sudden, these religious leaders, these churchgoers of the day, started to look on and go, you know what? There's a money-making opportunity here. And so they'd start to, they'd set up a little booth and they'd say, hey, come over here and we'll change your money. And they'd charge all these exorbitant fees to it. Or, hey, we'll sell you this dove or these animals. Okay, and so when Jesus sees this, he looks around and he's like, hey, what's going on? Stop. Everybody stop. And so Jesus kind of gets on a little like anger rampage right here. And he starts flipping tables and throwing over benches. And he's like, stop it. Why? Because the second group of people that Jesus drew a slap line for that day in church were the pretenders. These people were pretending to be there for the right reasons. They were pretending to be in relationship with God. They were pretending. But instead, they were using the church experience for their own personal gain. It was probably about nine years ago that Mike and I, uh, the church was real small. Mike and I had went to Atlanta for an ARC conference. We're part of a fellowship of churches called the ARC. Uh, and we plant churches and so forth. And so we had went to Atlanta. We flew in. And the conference was being held at a hotel uh, near the airport. So we just took a shuttle over to the hotel, you know, from the airport. And, and so I, I found out that the Braves were playing a home game 
the night after the conference. So we, we stayed an extra day, and I'm kind of like, oh, look at that, baseball. What do you know? Yeah, that's probably the Lord's will. We need to go to that game. So, uh, so Mike and I got tickets, and so we're at the hotel, uh, and we say, you know, and we're like, all right, so how are we going to get downtown? Because we didn't rent a car because we took the shuttle, you know. And we're like, well, we'll just ride the MARTA, like the, the subway train downtown. And so, uh, of course, and you got to understand that back in the day, I mean, styles were different back then. And we were, I'm not saying we weren't as cool as we are now, but we, so, but, so we had on our khakis uh, and our polo shirts tucked in, you know. And so we get on this MARTA, what are you laughing for? Come on. So we, we get on the MARTA train. And we're riding it, and the further we go from the airport, like the closer we get to downtown, the more we realize how, just how Caucasian we are. <laughs> and just how nice and pleated our khakis are. And we're tucked in, and I'm looking at Mike like, dude, you're bigger than me. you got to protect me like you're my security. Like Mike was the first security guy ever at Next Level. Like he's the, like he's the ultimate security. And I'm like, bro, what do we do? And he's kind of seeing this scared little look in my face. And he's like, untuck your shirt. So we, we untuck our polos. Oh, we blend in. Great. Now. Perfect. So, like, we get downtown, we get off at the Marta stop, you know, and we're like, there's this thing called, like, Underground Atlanta, and as we're walking around, we're like, it was bad. We were faking it. We were pretending. And I remember, of course, it never dawned on us that the game would get done late at night. And so, like, and so we were going to have to ride the Marta train all pretending to be tough and big in our polos and khakis. We actually, thank God, we actually ro- ran into some friends of ours who lived in Atlanta who happened to be at the Braves game. And no lie, they looked at us and they go, how are you getting back to your hotel? And we're like, well, we're gonna, we, we just thought we'd ride the Marta. And they're like, no, no. And they looked at you cannot ride the Marta in khakis at this hour. You can't. They're like, we will drive you back to your hotel. We're like, what? We fit in. We're good. We untucked our polos. We're fine. What are you talking about? So, okay, so see, see there's, it's, there are those moments, aren't there, where we're pretending. And Jesus walks into the church that day, and he looks across the crowd, and he sees these money changers, and he says, hey, you guys are faking it. You're not here for the right reasons at all. You guys are completely missing the point. And listen, some of us, have come into this place. We come in here week in and week out and we're faking it and we're pretending. Some of us, you know, the only reason you're here is for her because you're trying to pick up her. Or you're, trying, you don't, you're not even married yet and you're here for her or you're looking for her. Some of you, the only reason you're here is because you're married to her and she wants you here. And we're faking it. Men, come on. Some of us, the only reason we're here is because there's a a potential business person that we can do a deal with three rows up in the next section over. And you know they attend next level. And you think if they'll see you here at next level, then they're more likely to do business with you. You're faking it. Come on, men. Isn't it time for us to stop pretending? Isn't it time for us to dig in? Come on, listen. God has so much for us, but he's waiting on us to stop faking it. He's waiting on us to stop pretending, to start re-engaging our relationship with him. Where are you faking it this weekend? Where are we faking it? Where are we pretending? Maybe it's in worship, and you come in, and you're just standing there, and you could care less, or you're, just, or you're going through the motions, and you just, 
You got it and you think you got it, but you don't got it. Listen, come on. What would it look like to lean in? Again, let me challenge us. Lean in. Maybe it's in in reading the Bible. And some of us, listen, we love God. But when it comes to Bible reading, man, we've we've crossed a lot. We're We're out. Spending time in God's word is non-existent. Listen, you need to re-engage. I can't tell you of a better or easier way to re-engage God's word than soap. We have these soap guides everywhere around our church. Pick one up. It's easy. Read a chapter a day. About a year ago, we created what we call our intro to soap guide. Men, listen, I can't think of an easier way to study God's word. This has videos and everything. Like, it's that simple. It's a 21-day video-driven guide to learning how to study God's Word and apply it. Because, yes, being in an environment like this, being in church on the weekend is good, and God speaks to us. But listen, there's nothing as powerful as studying God's Word, being a self-feeder, studying God's Word for ourselves, and hearing God give us a personal challenge from His Word every single day. Come on. Some of us need to re-engage. We need to re-engage reading God's word or prayer, spending time with God. Men, some of us know that we'll never become everything God wants us to become, that we are not going to be at our best unless we're spending time with him. And yet somehow in our life, we've allowed ourselves to cross a line where everything other than that has gotten in the way. It's time to lean back across the line. For some of us, it's finance. We understand the principle of the tithe, of bringing God our first 10%, the first fruits into his house and putting God first. And, and I love this. The challenge of scripture is he even says, test me on this. Bring me the first 10% of your increase, your financial gain. And, and test me like I dare you. One of the only places in scripture where God tells us to test him, to dare him. And just see how God will provide, how God will come through in our finances. And some of us, a year or two ago, you would have said, absolutely, I'm in on that. But the cares of life and the concerns and the bills and the payments have gotten in the way. And you've crossed over a line. Come on. What if this weekend is the time where you come back across that line? Jesus stepped into the church that first Palm Sunday. And he looked around and he saw people who were disengaged. He saw people who were faking it and pretending, who had crossed the line. And he drew a slap line on the ground. He said, come on, no more. Come on, there's too much at stake. It's too important for you to get this wrong. Continues on. Verse 16. Jesus turned over the tables and the benches and it says, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Look at this next part. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? He's quoting from the Old Testament here, a verse that they all would have known. Is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've made it a den of robbers. The third group of people that Jesus challenged that day in church were the familiar. The disengaged, the pretenders, the familiar. Jesus, when he stood up to to teach in church that day, he looked at those who were there, the good people, the churchgoers, and he looked at them and he said, guys, listen, there would have been a time in your life where you never would have done this in church, where you would have looked on at your own behaviors here and said, that's despicable. He quoted Isaiah 56 to them, like the verse that they all would have memorized. He quoted, he's like, hey, here's the problem. 
This environment has become so familiar to you. The way you're behaving here has become so familiar to you that you don't even realize there's an issue. You don't even think there's anything wrong anymore. And here's what I think. I think it's possible this weekend, Next Level Church, that some of us have some areas of our life that have become so familiar. We look around and we don't even realize there's a problem. Maybe it's, maybe it's in our marriage. Man, maybe it's with your wife. You've allowed your relationship with your wife to become so familiar that you say things to her that you would not even dream of saying to anybody else in your world. It, that, it, that would be unheard of, outrageous. And yet, you treat her like that. You say things to her like, you disrespect her like that. Why? Because she's familiar. Maybe it's with our kids. See, I think it's, I think it's possible that the speed of life, the pace of life, the hecticness of life can make it such that in our families, we don't, we don't even make eye contact anymore. Let me, uh, let me say it this way. When was the last time we had a real conversation with our kids? When was the last time we looked them in the eye? Where have we allowed our family to get familiar to the point that we just now call this normal? But anybody else looking on would say, no, that's not normal. It's not okay. What area of our life we allow it to become so familiar that it's lost its significance. Maybe it's, maybe it's teenagers. Maybe it's in your relationship with your parents. You've allowed your relationship with mom and dad to become so familiar that disrespecting them is just normal now. Rolling your eyes is just normal now. Talking about them behind their backs is just normal now. Well, everybody does. Well, everybody, okay. Well, and the Lord forgive me. I know. But it doesn't mean it's right. Come on, you guys. What areas of our life are we allowed to be so familiar to us? Maybe it's the blessings of our life. Just the, the, the blessing of our life. When was the last time you looked around your, your, your life and went, Wow. We got a good thing going here. Like, this is awesome. See, most of the time, human nature is always to compare and to compare and to compare and to, to, to strive and to push. And I'm, I'm all for setting goals and being driven, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I, I, we need that, and I get that. But, but when was the last time we just stopped and said, wow, look at our life. Look how great this is. Look what God's done. Look how far we've come. See, the, the blessings of our life can become so familiar that they, they've lost their significance to us. We don't see them anymore. They're invisible now. And see, here's the danger with familiarity. The danger of familiarity is that anything in our life that we allow to become familiar, we end up, number one, neglecting. 
And number two, it loses its significance to us. And ultimately, this is, this is crazy. It will lead to death. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus comes in, busts up the temple, turns over the tables and the benches and says to them, guys, don't you remember what Isaiah said? The the church is supposed to be a house of prayer and you guys have turned it into something that it's not. You've allowed it to become familiar. And the very next verse says that from that day on, they looked for an occasion to kill him. See, familiarity, any area of our life that we allow to become familiar, we ultimately neglect, it will lose its significance and and value in our heart and our mind. And if we don't intercept it, if we don't cut it off at the past, head that thought off at the past, it will ultimately lead to to death, to a place we don't want to go. So my challenge to us this weekend is what areas of our life have we allowed to become familiar? When was the last time we just thanked God for our job? No, really, when was the last time you looked at your job and went, wow, thank God for this job. And listen, it it may not be your dream job. It may not be everything, your career, you want it, you dream it to be. But listen, listen, I love my job. I'm thankful for my job. Like, I worked in an ice cream store one time. I'm glad I don't do that anymore. Which, by the way, like if you work in an ice cream, there's nothing wrong. Like you thank God, thank God for you. But okay, which real quick, if you work in one of those self-serve yogurt places, I just, I want to help you. I love businesses. I love business leaders. I want to, I love customer service. I study it for you. Okay, I do it all for you. Here's the deal. Let me get my own samples with the yogurt, okay? I, no, we, really, some of you yogurt business people, you know who you are. You got to have your little yogurt sample Nazi girl come out there with the cups and be like, you only get two. Like what? And then she's got to pump it for me. Like I'm about to pump my own whole dish of yogurt and you're going to do the little sample Nazi girl out there. Stop. I don't need no sample Nazi girl. And I know all this will probably get edited out for other services this weekend, but I just got to say it. No, listen, I love business leaders. I love you. I know why you're doing it. Keep your machines clean to save money. You keep all those teenagers from getting 13 samples and then leaving. No, I get it. And, you're, and you do it all under the disguise of it's, it's for good customer service. Then tell Sample Girl Nazi to smile. No, we have to deal with this. Because she comes up and she's like, what samples do you want? I want the one where you're happy. (laughs) Whatever. Man, let me get my own samples. Here's the secret. Okay, watch. My 12-year-old son taught me this, okay? Because I know some of you, you're like, oh, but the samples run all over your fingers, okay? Well, as soon as you hit it, and then as soon as the yogurt hits the bottom of the cup, you pop it. That's the key. And it's the perfect sample size. Boom. Now make your sample Nazi girl go back behind the counter. It's fine. I got my own right there. I just taught everybody how to do it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Slap lock. You're welcome. What were we talking about? I don't even remember. What's going on? I'm having fun and that keyboard sounds awesome. That like this is great. Spiritual moments all over the place. Amazing. All right, one, two, three, serious. Okay. 
Anything that becomes familiar to us in our life, we neglect, we devalue, and it ultimately leads to death. So my challenge to us this weekend is, come on, come on. Where have we gotten disengaged? Where are we coming in just going through the motions? But it's not real. It's not really affecting our heart. God wants to do so much in our lives, but he's waiting on us to engage, to lean in. Where are we pretending? And what areas of our life have become familiar? Let's pray. Every service across this place, let's bow our heads. God, we're open. God, we're here. God, thank you that this weekend is a slap line moment for so many of us. So many of us who have allowed our hearts to become disengaged, that we come into a place like this and and we're missing you and all that you want to do in our life. And so, God, we ask you to forgive us. Lord, forgive us. We don't want to miss you anymore. Jesus, for those who are in this place listening in every service, God, who are pretending, who are faking, Lord, forgive us. God, we repent. We do a 180. We spin around and we go in the opposite direction. We're sorry. And Lord, for so many of us this weekend who have allowed some area of our life, some relationship, some zone to become familiar, Lord, forgive us. God, allow the fire to get hot again. Lord, allow our heart to be engaged again. Lord, we don't want we don't want to neglect that area. We don't want to neglect that relationship. We don't want to neglect that, God. We, we don't want to devalue that. God, we certainly don't want that area to start to diminish and decay and die. So Jesus, thank you for the Slapline series. God, we receive it today, Lord. We want to be more like you. We want to re-engage this thing. God, today, all of our services, Lord, we just come back across those lines in our heart. We engage again that we might become everything you want us to become, Lord. And everyone who agreed in every service said amen.